Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is Unrestricted with Aubrey and Will. Sitting with your favorites, sharing stories of thrill. A weekly tradition, always easy to find. Destination listen, love and laugh when we cry. Welcome to AEW Unrestricted. It's Will and Aubrey, your best buddy duo. Yeah. We've got a great show today, but there's so much to talk about. There's so much going on in the world of AEW. Um, we've got full gear right around the corner. We've also just announced a brand new pay-per-view, World's End, coming at the end of the year. Uh, that's happening December 30th, Long Island. And there's just so much happening right now. This has been such a year of expansion in AEW. I, I for one, I can't believe we added another pay-per-view. I don't think anybody can. <laughs> because like we just that we did Wrestle Dream not that long ago. And uh and of course this was the year that we had all in as well. This was the year that really expanded the pay-per-view calendar for AEW. But you know, th- how are you feeling with our first pay-per-view in New York coming up? So it's interesting because like I mean, peel back the curtain, I've known about this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I've had my flights booked for a while. Like <laughs> we kind of get a heads up of like the the backstage like the tour calendar of like what is this New York date? This seems kind of interesting. Oh, oh, okay. Well, let's yeah. let's kind of keep this close to the chest. All right. I'm like, "Hey Paul, can you book my flight for this New York date that I have no idea what it is?" He's like, "Sure." So we're just booking <laughs> flights for stuff. We don't really know what it is yet. We're just like, "Okay, yeah, well, let's get the flights booked early, save some money." There we go. But yeah, and it's weird to like I think you and I had talked about it the day it got announced. And you're like, "Yeah, we're calling the pay-per-view World's End." I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." And then I look at Twitter and it's like, "AEW's next pay-per-view is World's End" because there was like a little lower third graphic on Dynamite about it. Uh-huh. I'm like, "Oh, that was quick." Okay. Yeah, everything we were just talking about it before, but they, everything happened really, really fast so as far fast. as the announcement and all of that is concerned. I've been thinking about it pretty much since I first heard about the show of like, "Huh." Could I possibly spend New Year's in New York? I hadn't considered that. And there's a piece of me that's Go to like, Times Square, watch the ball drop, man. <laughs> yeah, there's a piece of me that's like, I could just leave a day later, but travel getting out of New York on January 1st is going to be a nightmare. So I'm also thinking, should I not do that? But either way, <laughs> uh, trying to consider all of that. But yeah, we still have full gear coming up very soon here. We've got, you know, it's got a huge main event of Jay White and MJF. So many other things happening on that card. But, like, talking about the preparation for pay-per-views versus anything else, uh, 
I got a fun story about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I want to hear this. What, what is the story? Okay, for those that maybe don't notice, for most of the pay-per-views, with the exception of Forbidden Door, because sometimes we have guests from New Japan, uh, the refs have pay-per-view specific ref shirts. So to replace the standard AEW logo or the ROH logo, we have the pay-per-view logo because our pay-per-views are consistent every year. They're all named sort of the same thing. And the logos may change a little bit, but they're relatively similar. Like Revolution kind of uses the same thing. Double or Nothing still has kind of the Vegas vibe. So it's one of those, well, we can buy this once and then just sort of like save it a year and then use it later. So it's funny because Wrestle Dream we learned about at the press conference from All In, but I don't think we had a logo ready. So I sent Chrissy Myers, who's one of our merchandising people, and I, I basically sent her a message with like, hey, we need to order these shirts. And I have all the ref sizes memorized by this point because I'm like, okay, well, I wear a small and so-and-so wears a medium and so-and-so wears a small. So I just like take the last email, copy, paste, replace pay-per-view name. And she's like, I don't know if we're going to get these in time because we don't have a logo yet. I'm like, oh, no. And for me, I'm like kind of like selfishly, I'm like, it can't be the pay-per-view in my hometown that I don't have the shirts for. Like, oh, no. So we get the shirts and they got the sizes backwards. So, (laughs) So normally we order more mediums than smalls, but they sent more smalls than mediums. And I'm like, hey, Paul can you fit into a small? And he's like, uh, I don't know. So that pay-per-view, we legitimately had refs sharing shirts because we didn't didn't have enough sizes. And like, I can't share because a small is still too big on me. So I get a shirt, I go to wardrobe. I have Chris and wardrobe actually like shorten the sleeves and taper it in a little bit. So it's kind of more like a feminine cut. So it's like, I can't give that to Brandon and be like, hey, Brandon, can you wear this feminine cut shirt? So I felt bad for the boys because they're just like, okay, so you're at this point in the card. So you're going to take Posey's shirt and then you're going to take this person's shirt. And it was wild, but yeah, it's just, I sent the email for World's End. I was very happy that when I sent that email, I already knew what the logo looked like. And I just sent it to Chrissy and I was like, hopefully we get the sizes right this time. She's like, I think we have enough leeway. We can, we can totally do this. Full gear hasn't happened yet. They already have the ref shirt order. It's going to be good. But I think by this point, I actually have more ref shirts for individual shows than I actually have ref shirts for Dynamite. (laughs) That's so great. I didn't know that, by the way. Like, I always wondered because it's a detail that I hope most people notice that you do have the little thing. Yeah, it's a little thing, but everybody has the the pay-per-view specific shirts. Like wrestlers get their cool pay-per-view gear. They get their cool pay-per-view entrances. I'm like, I wear black and white. Can I get maybe white and black this time? (laughs) We don't have really a way to like step it up or be different. So this one little logo patch is such a huge deal for us. Oh, that's so great. That's great. Yes. It's it's the little behind the scenes things that that really like make wrestling as great as it is. And I don't think people necessarily appreciate it. So, hey, segue. Will, who do we got today? Well, Aubrey, we're actually joined by AEW coach and producer, somebody I get to work with on a regular basis. Yay. It's Miss Sarah Stock. Hooray. Hello. How are you, ma'am? Hey, guys. Doing great. Thanks for having me. You look well-rested and awake. (laughs) I think it's like what it's one of the biggest compliments you can give to someone backstage. Like, you look (laughs) well-rested. Yeah, that never happens. (laughs) Never happens. Never happens. Yeah, I mean, look, we're all of us. We're on the road consistently. And then, of course, these moments where we get to kind of sit down and 
chill and get to talk with each other and do things like AEW Unrestricted. These are kind of like the relaxing moments where we get to just kind of reflect on on what we're doing on a regular basis. And for you, of course, uh, Sarah, you got to debut in your hometown of Winnipeg. And so tell me a little bit about how the, what that was like getting to, to join the company at that moment in that stage in that environment. That was really cool. Yeah, I remember that day walking in. You know, you're always nervous when you're starting out at a new at a new job and just walking. Like first day of school. Yeah, totally. And I walked in and the first people I saw were the locals from around my area. Some of these people I've known for 20 years. I was like, oh, relief. I Familiar faces right off the bat, you know. And the next people I saw were Dean Lanko and Dustin. Mm two guys that I had worked with previously and just, just right from that first moment of walking in, it honestly felt like home. You know, I knew I would be comfortable. I knew I would be okay. And lots of really cool people being in Winnipeg was awesome too, because you know, we have a big Winnipeg contingent in AEW. Yeah. So super cool uh, to see Chris there. I've worked with Chris in AEW or I'm sorry, in WWE before. And, you know, someone that I looked up to as a fellow Winnipegger throughout my career and to see Kenny as well. And uh, he and I had trained together earlier in our careers, you know, and I think it would have been O2, uh, did a lot of the same shows around Winnipeg. So it was really special. It was really special homecoming type of feeling to be able to have my first day of work in my hometown. It was pretty great because I don't think anyone thinks of Winnipeg and thinks of wrestling yet how many people we have at the company from Winnipeg, like Jericho, Kenny, you, Don Callis. It's crazy that like we had such a big show there and it was like the biggest wrestling show ever in Winnipeg <laughs> to think about it like that. It's like, whoa, yeah, no, Winnipeg's not necessarily like this huge thing, but it was like really cool. And I remember seeing you backstage thinking to myself, oh yeah, this was inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, like, we don't have a lot of female representation on the coaching staff. Like, before you, it was really just Madison. So having more, but then also, and I'm sure we'll get into this, like, you're trilingual. You have English, Spanish, and French. So seeing that we have so many people, especially luchadors coming from Mexico, having another coach besides John Cruz being able to actually speak Spanish to them is huge and insanely helpful. And I think you and I had met when I was doing some stuff with WWE. We didn't really have like too many interactions, mm -hmm. but I was like, oh yeah, she's cool. Look at her. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's, you know, that's one of my uh, favorite things too about working at AEW is to be able to work with the Mexican talent because it was such a huge part of my career. You know, I lived in Mexico for 12 years. That was my, my home, my home base. So it's, it's a lot of familiar faces from there, too, and being able to help some of the new guys that are coming in kind of adjust to a different style and to help uh, translate and just help guide them in some ways is really rewarding for me to be able to give back in that way to a place that meant so much to me. So when you came in, obviously, there's a lot of people from WWE that you knew and had previous relationships with. But there was there anyone when you came in that you were particularly excited to work with? I had never worked with Stat. And oh, uh, she's great. She is great. I was super excited to work with her. I, um, I loved 
watching her matches and you know she was still out injured when i got there but that's one person i specifically remember thinking i'm i'm pumped to meet her you know wish i could have wrestled her and you never say never right but uh, that's that's one person that i specifically remember wanting to meet and work with and and uh, yeah just enjoy as a person i mostly knew your career from tna it's always been interesting uh, getting to see those names because, you know, every time I, I see your interactions with with people, especially people that you got to kind of know from that side of things. Right. Because I, I distinctly remember your run with Mexican-America yes. uh, specifically. And I wanted to talk about that run just a little bit. Yeah. You were, of course, Sarita at that time. Yes. Yes. Sarita. Yes. Sarita. And uh, and you were one half of the Impact Knockout Tag Champions. And so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that run. First off, working with Rosita, who is now known as uh, Zelina Vega in, in WWE, for those who don't know. Mm-hmm. So w- what was that relationship like? The moment we met, we clicked. The, it, was, it was an automatic chemistry, an automatic friendship between us. I remember the first thing she said to me was, oh, sick gear. You know, and I, I always put a lot of um, thought and effort into having tons of new gear, get it made, you know, cheap in Mexico too. So you could have, I, I'd always have different gear. And from that moment, we just, we were just best buddies, you know, on the show, we were cousins. And to this day, we call each other cuz and cuzzo. So it was great. She was, I think like, I think she was maybe 19 at the time. So in some ways it was like a, a big sister, little sister type of relationship, I think. And we really uh, helped each other through a lot of uh, navigate a lot of things at that time. Uh, she's just a, a wonderful person. We had a ton of laughs together and, you know, just had our inside jokes and ways to relax each other before we'd go out to wrestle. So, so yeah, that was a really important part of my time in TNA was developing that friendship with her. I want to kind of keep touching on that. So, when, when we say that you were Knockouts Tag Team Champion, you were the first ever yeah. Knockouts Tag Champions with Taylor Wilde, who is still in, I guess they're TNA again, who's still in TNA. Uh, do you guys have a relationship still? Do you guys keep in touch? Yeah, we, I mean, things, you know, obviously kind of cool down over the years. It's hard to keep in touch with everyone, but we'll text each other every once in a while. I was actually the first guest on her podcast that she's doing so that's cool another first that we did together <laughs> but yeah we definitely keep in touch still and uh she's an awesome person at this point most of it's just following keeping up with each other via social media as most of us do these days but uh, there's there's a lot of history between us and you know a, a deep-rooted friendship based on you know some history making moments that we had together yeah and, and, and i guess that's just always so cool to me to when you get to have those roots that are kind of planted so many different places in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you got to AEW, what were some of, so uh, what was the initial conversation? What uh, sparked the conversation with Tony Khan that led to you coming to AEW? I was in Mexico at the time. I mean, I had been out of the ring for seven years. I hadn't wrestled and I kind of made the decision to get back into the ring for three matches in Mexico. That was it. I just have this little this little comeback, but it wasn't planned to be a full-time return or anything. Just kind of motivation to get me back in the ring. And, you know, I'm not sure what sparked the interest, but it was shortly after I made that decision and went back to Mexico to, to prepare for those matches uh, that uh, AEW got in touch with me. 
it all moved very quickly and then very slowly. <laughs> it moved quickly in terms of I, I really wanted to work for the company. We came to an agreement on things. You know, the, the unfortunate part is that being a Canadian citizen, things aren't as easy as just starting to work. So through all the red tape and getting the visas and all that kind of stuff, it was about a year a year later, a year after that conversation, that I actually stepped foot into the doors in Winnipeg. Whoa! I, I, I almost feel we have to step into that. Like that's like a perfect note to go to break on because yeah, a year. Holy shit! All right, we will talk more here, Sarah Stock, right here. This is AEW Unrestricted. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project. Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. AEW Unrestricted, Aubrey, Will, Sarah, we're talking about lots of fun stuff. Uh, before we went to break, I think Will and I just both had an epiphany of like, oh God, visas take forever. Like, <laughs> and it's one of those things that I take for granted being an American citizen that like I can just sign paperwork and suddenly I work somewhere. So it's a little bit trickier for you and it makes sense that you like went down to Mexico to work because it's just like, yeah, whatever. It's great. But yeah, so I had no idea you were contacted a year before before we'd even done any shows in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's incredible. You know, the um, I think it's obviously case-by-case case basis, and each case is different, but obstacles kept coming up in that process. Um, thankfully, the, you know, the AEW legal team and the, the law firm they work with to get these visas were, you know, excellent in staying positive and keeping me positive, because at that point, I kind of, I stopped my whole life. You know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm done in the ring then. You know, I did these little matches in Mexico. Now I'm going to get ready to go to work at AEW. And I thought in a couple months I'd be there ready to go and everything stopped. So it was a very, um, it was a time of limbo and frustration because I didn't know if this visa would even ever come through. So when it finally did, it was the, the biggest relief. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad that, that it all worked out. Uh, you know, that first day in Winnipeg, that, I mean, that was a major day, um, in the company and that, you know, it, it was the debut in the hometowns of Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, and they got to have, uh, that, that big trios match. Um, that was also the debut though of a friend that we've also had here on Unrestricted. Um, that was Ty Valkyrie's debut. Yes. Did you both know at the time that you would both be making your debut that night? I think we both, uh, yeah, kind of, uh, gave each other a little heads up. <laughs> no, we might have a reunion in Canada sometime very soon, you know, something along those lines. <laughs> it's just so funny because Taya and I met in Mexico, but, and we've been friends for, I don't know, over 10 years for sure, but we've never worked in the same company as like as soon as, you know, in Mexico, I was in CMLL. She was in AAA. And then it was like when I left TNA, she came. And then when I was uh, in WWE, just as I was leaving, she was coming in. It's just been this crossing of paths the whole time. So that day in Winnipeg, is like, finally, finally, we're working together. It's very cool. So just to kind of touch on background, because like you're, you're mentioning all this stuff like Mexico, wrestling, blah, blah, blah. But I want to I wanna give credit where it's due. So you have a Bachelor's of Science in Chemistry. 
I do. Yes. I had no idea you were a nerd. This is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) So Bachelor of Science in Chemistry from University of Manitoba. Congratulations. That's awesome. I also have a Bachelor's of Science. It's it's an incredible amount of work to to get your bachelor's. Mm-hmm. How do you go from chemistry to wrestling? <laughs> Man, chemistry was interesting. I I was hoping to go into the medical field, honestly. And um, t- there are different areas that really interest me. Physiology, anatomy, biomechanics, psychology, and all this kind of, uh, you know, when you're just starting out at school, there's you're meeting so many new people and discovering so many new career paths and just unsure what you want to do. So I stuck with science and, and stuck with chemistry. But by the time I got my degree, man, I was, I knew that wasn't a future. <laughs> I did not want to be in school anymore. I didn't want to study. I did not want to be in a lab. None of it was exciting. At the time throughout university, I was, I competed in Muay Thai kickboxing. Um, and that was my main focus sports wise throughout university. That and, weightlifting I kind of got introduced to it that at university too there was kind of a a decision to either continue as an amateur kickboxing or to move into something like pro wrestling and start a career where I could actually earn more earn a living doing something really cool it's it's just funny to me that that's the path we all ended up on in this way. We're like, oh, we ended up in professional wrestling. And it's like not necessarily a thing that you expect to be a part of your path. I know, Aubrey, you definitely didn't. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I never watched wrestling when I applied to college. <laughs> and like, yeah, this is just where we all are. And it's great. I don't know. It's interesting because like you think chemistry, right? And then I think uh, my brain is immediately going to the fact that you're a coach at AEW and like you almost have to help find the chemistry between two wrestlers. And there's like almost a science to that. right? And so either way, uh, just thinking about your your background and making the transition to professional wrestling. So in general, so what got you started with training? Well, the the actual impetus was I was working at a, a campus bar at the U of M and this uh, little local company called Top Rope Wrestling came to put on a show at the bar. When they, they left a, a business card there and I just thought, wow, you know, like it's something that I had been thinking about that I wanted to do. And it was almost like divine intervention that they just dropped this ring right in the middle of the place I was working and left a business card. And I carried that business card around for, you know, months. And it's one of those things where sometimes taking the first step is the hardest, just making a phone call. And at that time, no cell phones, you know, or very few, it wasn't a normal thing. And I remember walking through a mall and walking past a payphone, and I just stopped in my tracks and I picked up the payphone and brought the card out and made a call and said, Hey, I'd like to come train. And, and that was, that was the way that all started. I, I love that. There's so many stories in wrestling of like, yeah, just time and place and circumstance and, yeah, it all just kind of makes sense. I was working in a bar and someone threw a wrestling ring in there. Like, it's probably my favorite so far. <laughs> <laughs> so you you go, you train. Sort of what happens with the the point of you make your wrestling debut in Canada back in 2002, mm-hmm. uh, but then you end up going to Mexico very shortly after. So sort of what brought you there? Canada's huge and The shows are few and far between. At that time, there was a good little circuit during the summer on the East Coast with a a little company called Real Action Wrestling. And there were some really great guys on that tour doing that loop. I I 
stayed out there for the summer. And uh, one of the guys out there, his name was Eddie Watts. Uh, he happened to go to Mexico frequently. And after that summer ended, he was down there. And, I, you know, I gave him a call and just said, man, I'd love to come, come and uh, give it a shot down there. So he told me, you know, if we're wrestling on Tuesday in Laredo, Texas, if you can make it down there on Tuesday, I'll bring you back to Monterey and, you know, show you, you know, where you can stay and, you know, try to get you training and stuff like that. So yeah, kind of dropped everything and got a, bought a bus ticket, took the bus from Winnipeg to Laredo, Texas, and uh, then headed down into Mexico. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were working in Mexico for quite some time, even uh, between appearances, even between, you know, we talked about your TNA run a little bit, but th throughout all of that, you worked in Mexico that entire time. That's really where you were able to, to, to build a, a pretty solid name for yourself. You started in Mexico as Dark Angel. Mm -hmm. So what was the story behind Dark Angel? I wish I had an exciting story about... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not just one of those things where like the show was on TV at the time, was it? Yeah, well, that was the thing. I didn't even, I, I didn't want the name. I didn't like the name because <laughs> of the original. Honestly, I had done some promo pics with like some black wings and, you know, on a chain link fence or something, you know, very like you would do when you're first trying to take promo pictures, you know. And I was showing it to the promoter in Nuevo Laredo, Me Mexico. And you know, he's like, you need a name like like Black Angel, like Dark Angel, something like that. And it's like, well, Black Angel doesn't sound too great. I don't know. I guess, yeah, Dark Angel it is. And it just stuck. So <laughs> Dark Angel and like had nothing to do with me the way I <laughs> was always in fluorescence, bright colors, you know, but it stuck. <laughs> oh, it's funny how that kind of stuff happens in wrestling. Like I remember sitting in catering when we had Johnny TV there and someone came up to him and go, Hey, does Johnny TV work? It's like, yeah. And just that, that's how names happen. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Great. You mentioned briefly when we were talking about your schooling background that you got into bodybuilding, but you actually won a number of bodybuilding competitions back with CMLL. I think you won four in a row, eight total. How how does that work? The combination of wrestling and bodybuilding, because I'm I'm fascinated by that. And you get really lean, and everything hurts more. That's what. Yep. On the short of it, you know, I it was all kind of an experiment. I did a lot of research. Anytime, like sometimes big name bodybuilders would come to Mexico, do their seminars, and but really, I was pretty ignorant about what I was doing. To be honest with you, I had the ability to get lean because I went to extremes, you know, like an hour of cardio in the morning, followed by, you know, weight lift and then an hour of cardio, go back and do another hour at night because that's how I thought you just got lean and you you didn't need any carbs. So I was eating like egg whites and spinach for breakfast and chicken breast and cucumber for lunch and, you know, just green vegetables and protein. It got me super shredded and super unhealthy. So I don't recommend it. <laughs> Yeah, it takes a toll. It takes a toll. I love the feeling of getting lean. It feels so great. Um, I'm forever chasing that feeling to this day. But I've learned over the years that it's not the most important thing. I've learned so much more about nutrition and taking breaks in your training and not always having to push to extremes to see results. Uh, so it's, it's been a big learning curve. It's definitely, definitely a big passion and love of mine is, is bodybuilding. 
God, I love that. And we've got more with Sarah Stock right here. This is AEW Unrestricted. Unrestricted. AEW Unrestricted with Sarah Stock, Will and Aubrey, and chatting about bodybuilding, chemistry, wrestling, dark angels not making any sense. There's so much we've talked about. But I wanted to touch on something, kind of a little like background, peek behind the curtain, and one of the things that I am so grateful for from you, and I appreciate you so much, is you were actually the coach assigned to the match that I wrestled. And I think the way it all worked out, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you were sort of asked like, hey, there's these two women in this match that have no idea what the hell they're doing. Like, (laughs) they don't wrestle. Can you help them out? (laughs) So like, we got to the venue really early. We tried a couple things. I think I accidentally punched Karen in the face once while we were trying to do rolls. (laughs) That whole day and it being as successful as it was and us being able to tell the story we did would not have happened without you. So I wanted to thank you again for that. I know I, I thanked you after, like, over text and stuff, but, like, yeah. holy hell. Like, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. And then by the end of the day, I'm like, okay, maybe I can do this. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Aww, you're so welcome. That was so much fun. That was a great day. And, yeah, it, just everything turned out just as it should have. It was an awesome, awesome experience for me, too, to be able to see that and, you know, just be with you guys throughout the day and see it unfold was so, it was, it was really rewarding, super fun. So what is, and kind of just to segue that into a question, what's sort of the thing that you enjoy about coaching that like maybe you didn't get from wrestling? Oh, well, uh, it doesn't hurt as much. There you go. <laughs> that, that's the big thing. No, um, you know, it's it's a different thing. It's, but it is as rewarding when, when, a great match happens and, you know, you have kind of an, you know, you and the talent, you, you have this, this vision and this plan. And when it all, when it's executed and it comes out, you know, the way that, that you want it to, and the reactions are off the charts, it's such a great feeling. And it, it feels just as good as if I were in there myself. It's also nice wrestling as a wrestler, you're responsible for your opponent's safety, but ultimately you're responsible for your own career and that's kind of it. And to kind of take that responsibility and and spread it out over more people and into more things gives you a better appreciation of, of the work you're doing and kind of makes you feel connected more connected to people. I think I feel more connected and safer in a sense. I'm not sure how to describe it. Just makes you feel more part of something than when you're a solitary pursuit of wanting to be a successful star. I've always kind of seen it as you're a team trying to put something together rather than an individual trying to achieve something. And there's always some sort of satisfaction that comes from helping someone else succeed that you don't get when you yourself are succeeding. So Absolutely. people don't understand and, and, and wrestlers do because we, we and wrestlers and talent and everybody kind of understands the importance of a coach backstage. And it's why I'm so happy that we have you on because we get to promote like all of these awesome people that work backstage that have a huge impact in a lot of the matches we see on TV, but like don't get the credit that is due for the work that you guys do. Yeah. And we, I mean, we don't need the credit. We've had the credit over our own career. The girls and the guys, you know, they're the ones that are going out and doing it and they they deserve all the credit. 
I wanted to to talk to you a little bit about uh, kind of your your history with coaching and producing because taking a step over on the the WWE side of things, you were one of the first female coaches at the Performance Center mm-hmm. um, when the, the Performance Center only opened, I think, what twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. and you joined the company twenty fifteen. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the the impact that 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 had on you and also what you were able to bring to the table at WWE. That was such an incredible experience. So the Performance Center, it's a mind-blowing place. You know, there's seven rings at the time. There were seven rings, and a whole um, promo room and all the resources in the world. So it was eye-opening in the, in the sense of this is what professional means. You know, um, after years in Mexico, it was just a very different almost level of professionalism that I was introduced to and try to carry out going forward. I think that was the big impact that it had on me. I worked for one year at the performance center before I went on to be on the road with Ron Smackdown and, and produce up there. So it was two totally different worlds, even there. Honestly, the people that I shared, well, I, you know, a locker room with, I guess you could say our producer's room and the people in the production meetings had had a massive impact on me just to be surrounded by that amount of knowledge. Just in, intelligence is, was huge for me. Are there any matches that stand out to you as ones that e- either WWE or AEW where you feel particularly proud of your involvement with? Yeah, there was a main event of Raw in 2017 for the women's championship between Bailey and Charlotte. It closed out the show and I I believe I'm the first woman to, you know, produce a main event of of Raw. So thank you. I was very proud of that and more because it was an awesome match. <laughs> they they did so well. Was that early 2017? That would have been like that was right before the the pay-per-view, right? You would know better than I would. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that like I don't know, but I think that's the one. Yeah. I might want to say February, maybe something like yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I, I wanna I wanna segue that into one of my favorite matches I've ever had that you were involved in. Okay. It was a rampage match between Phoenix and Commander. Mm-hmm. And you know I'm trying to learn Spanish. I, uh, the more I learned, the more I feel like I don't know because now I'm learning all these like weird little like preterite tense and indirect object pronouns and all this stuff. But I remember being in the ring and I've I've got my my IFB in and I hear your voice and you you're like hola hola cómo estás and then we immediately just start only speaking Spanish and like I'm asking stuff in Spanish on my, like my talk back. I'm speaking Spanish to only only Spanish to Phoenix and Commander. I even start, did my counts like uno, dos, tres, just to <laughs> awesome. stay in that mindset the whole time. Yeah. And it was such a cool experience. It was like stepping into a different world of, yeah, sure, we we do this thing every day and we do this thing multiple times every day. But to have this moment, and I think it got cut for TV, but the match was so good that Phoenix took his mask off after and gave it to Commander. Yeah. And we got backstage and there was just this like touching moment of just like being a part of that and to me, that was huge because that's like what truly professional wrestling is about, about telling stories and about taking your experience and sort of giving it to other people and making them better. Because Ray Phoenix is one of the best luchadors in the world. And I think Commander is sort of that next up and coming guy. And everybody sort of sees that. And that to me was like, I 
easily one of my most favorite matches I've ever done just because of all of us coming together and taking all of this stuff that we're doing and having the trust and just building something incredible. So thank you for that. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. I remember that match very, very clearly. Yeah. And I promise going forward, I will speak more in Spanish to you. <laughs> si, gracias. <laughs> Only when it counts. <laughs> Not yeah. having to translate from English to Spanish in the moment and just being able to just like repeat like blah, 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 like yeah. yelling at commander like escuchas as like the crowd's going nuts right oh my god listen to this crowd like it was just, it's so cool it's so cool to be able to like use someone else's background to give people the opportunity to be even better at their jobs than they already are great way to put it yeah and, and, and i i always think it's cool like uh when we have those opportunities because i, I remember it was just a couple weeks ago we had the battle royal um that you were also a coach on and it was one of those things where you know battle royals are always an interesting cornucopia of both talent and coaches that's because, a way to put it. And, 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 <laughs> and referees and well like everybody right because everybody essentially has to work together to make these things happen and everybody has their expertise so like specifically in that type of environment where you have to not only work with other talent but you've got to work with other coaches what is that like for the the fans who aren't aware of how that has to go first let me start off by saying collaborating with other coaches is awesome we have an incredible coaching staff it's just some of the greatest people i know uh we have their coaching at aw that that particular battle royal it was uh scotty too hotty there working as my co-coach it's an incredible experience because you're working with how many so there's 12 talent plus another coach plus how many refs were there like three or I think four we had refs, three three refs and uh the the creative side of things and talking with tony about that and you know, there's a whole lot of people so uh having someone to lean on in those moments is really great and as coaches we each have our strengths and we know our strengths and we stick to those and like assign ourselves. Hey, like I got this, you got this. And you know, it's a, it's a lot of collaboration and bouncing ideas. And also just sometimes just hunting down, <laughs> hunting down talent and <laughs> uh, making sure everyone feels part of it too, because it's easy for people to feel lost or ignored in situations like that. And, you know, it's making sure everyone is, uh, is feeling good about we're, what we're about to go out and do. Having someone to be able to tell the, tell, tell the truck even like, hey, this spot is about to happen. Let's make sure we not miss it. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's the important part that people miss about the, the aspect of what the coach slash producer provides to professional wrestling television. And that is, you know, because we always hear about there's always debates about certain things that I, I always feel like people just have no idea about when they're arguing about things online mm -hmm. and things like that. But it's like. It's it's very cool that from the creative side of things that the the coaches and producers get to are almost the most aware of how the story is supposed to be conveyed and how it's supposed to be told in order for the truck and cameras and everything along those lines to get the product to television and get it to the viewer. And I think that's the side of what a coach and producer does that I think isn't quite understood by the average wrestling fan. You're like a conductor. Yes, absolutely. You're right about that, Will, because people hear the word coach and they think we're there in our sneakers in the ring, you know. <laughs> Put me in, coach. <laughs> and I love that part of it, too. Don't get me wrong. I love coaching. I love, like, training. But you're right. What you and the final product that you end up seeing on the television 
has to be orchestrated in a way that the story is getting told and that we're getting the right shots of everything that we want to appear on television. So there, there's a lot to it. And the communication between the producer and the coach, the producer and the ref is so key too. like the, all of that has to be on point in order for this thing that you see on television to work. Yes. I love when we get to give kind of a peek backstage about this kind of stuff because there's so much to it that people online don't necessarily understand. And just to the Echo Wills thing, like people argue about stuff. It's like, you don't even know. You, you don't no even idea. know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you have no idea who's yelling at me. It's like <laughs> in the middle of a match. It's like, we got Tony, we got a coach, we got Mansuri. Like there's a bunch of voices we're hearing. And it's like, it's the team aspect of everything. It's the coach is there to communicate this spot needs to be captured by this camera. And it's that we're communicating over 30 seconds away from commercial. It's everything coming together in this seamless picture. It's all of us are a piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. We taste best when we are fully baked. (laughs) (laughs) But you can't make all of these ingredients separate. You really do have to work together. So we appreciate you coming on today, Sarah. It's been a really great talk. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, dude. Oh my God. So good. So good. You can listen to AEW Unrestricted, all kinds of episodes with awesome people working backstage in front of the camera. Who knows who we're going to have on this podcast? It's really great. You can watch Dynamite every Wednesday on TBS. You can watch Rampage Fridays on TNT and Collision on Saturdays on TNT. I am Aubrey Edwards with Will Washington. Thank you so much for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Unrestricted.